This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. I am joined by a blank space on the other end, but uh, Tony is here. Um, Normally we can see each other on a video, but we can't see each other at the moment, so that's okay. Um, He can see me, but I cannot see him, so maybe he's a mystery in witness protection. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I assume you're in witness protection. You've been, we haven't been together for a while, so I assume that's what you were hiding out uh, to get everything cleared up uh, on the political side. Yes. Um, So good to see that you're back with us. Uh, a lot's happened. And I guess, uh, I think I'm, I'm feeling like a normal citizen of the United States. And I, 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 I was too young during the Carter administration to really grasp how bad of a president Jimmy Carter was. And I'm starting to recognize, well, starting, I recognize now that Joe Biden in many cases, in my opinion, is a far, far worse president than Jimmy Carter. Oh, agreed. If for no other reason than the world is a much more dangerous place than it was in the 1977 through 81. Uh, Not that it wasn't not dangerous then, but it just feels like everything that that you could screw up and do wrong, Jimmy Carter would have done in the 70s. But Joe Biden doesn't even seem competent enough to handle the Jimmy Jimmy Carter level of expertise at running the country. How do you feel about this? I think I think that's I think that's absolutely true. Um, Yeah, Carter is um, Lincoln esque compared to (laughs) Joe Biden, and it's becoming. I mean, it's already been clear to anyone who's been paying attention, but. You know, they can't even, they can't hide him any longer. I mean, one of the worst things for them, even though I think they believe politically it's, a, it's helpful to them, the, the whole issue in Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think cynically they believe that that will d- distract people from the disaster that's their domestic policy. However, you actually need a president on the world stage to say and do things. And he he's completely incapable. Yeah. In fact, you know, one of the... You know, when he talked about that they basically needed regime change in Russia <laughs> and then they had to walk that back the next mm-hmm. day, uh, they can barely allow him sort of off the chain for longer than five or ten minutes for fear of what he's going to say. And, of mm-hmm. course, now uh, this, this is serious stuff, right? You know, the, the world doesn't stop. It's fine when you can hide him in his basement and he doesn't really have to do much of anything. But now these are these are events that are significant globally. And we have, um, you know, again, we've got the emperor with no clothes who also has dementia. So it's uh, it's it's a scary time. I mean, we you know, we laugh about this. And yeah. I think you and I talked about this a few shows ago last when we spoke that I think we've become very accustomed, uh, very. Oh, what's the right word? Uh, careless, very apathetic in this country, just assuming that, well, this is the way the world works now, which is America is the superpower, and there really aren't any wars, and there really aren't any enemies that can do anything to us, and we're just kind of blissfully going to go along, and we'll have our little internal squabbles. Well, that's not history. 
<laughs> and if we think that our enemies are not plotting at this moment, Russia, China, go down the list, uh, we're fools. And we are probably in, in my view, the weakest position we have been in in a very, very long time in terms of not only our leadership, uh, but also our military capabilities because of this, you know, this sort of woke cult that has uh, infested every level of our government and our institutions. And sooner or later, there is going to be a reckoning for this. There, there is. Now, I don't, I don't mean that that means we're going to be invaded like in Wolverines, <laughs> but there are going to be actors on the world stage who you better believe are going to be opportunistically taking advantage of our weakness. They already are. And I think I told you, I fully expect that sooner or later, China is going to act on Taiwan. Absolutely. And of course, we're already on the cusp of handing, you know, the mullahs the nuclear weapon that they've been desiring uh, and that the Obama administration, which is now being continued by the Biden administration, seem desperate to give them. And those are very, very... Um, those are significant world events that are going to have major negative ramifications if and when they occur. So uh, you say if, I say when. I don't, I don't think there's any – I don't think there's an if as part of this. I, I really I, – I believe in in year and a half or so um, since Trump left office, we have dramatically uh, hindered our economy. We've dramatically hindered our military. we dramatically hindered our – presence on the world stage. Now, I will be the, one of the first people to say, I don't think Trump always handled himself publicly in an upstanding way. And we've talked about that. But I do feel as though Joe Biden, he looks like a feckless, incapable human being. And I keep asking myself, had Trump shut his mouth from, from the primaries through about politically, the way he could, he could not do through the election, would we be sitting here with Joe Biden as president? Now, we might still have been sitting here with him, and that's perfectly feasible because people voted against Trump and not for Biden. But I'm still struggling with everything I've seen in the news. I'm still struggling to come up with 81 million votes for this. Not 81 million votes for somebody, 81 million votes for Joe Biden. I, I cannot fathom how this individual received more votes for president than any other person ever in history. I, I don't. So what's the Occam's razor explanation for that? Well, <laughs> I, there has to be some fraud somewhere, doesn't well, there? Again, we, you know, we've talked about this and I don't think we need to rehash it, but no. I, I'm not able to say because it hasn't been proven Correct. that fraud tilted the election. What I will say, and what I think we both have said is, if the amount of shenanigans and, let's just say, very strange, very unusual, uh, very highly irregular things had happened in an election where Donald Trump had won, this would have been investigated uh, 24/7. They would have had they would have had to hire and build a new addition onto the New York Times for all the investigative reporters that would have been digging into what was going on in the swing states that allowed this to happen. And my point is, 
um, the mass mail balloting alone, throw, throw out everything else, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about the, the wilder theories about the voting machines. I don't care about that, okay? Yeah. Mass mail balloting done the way that we did it, which has never been done that way before. You hear all these people say, oh, we've had mass mail. No, we haven't. <laughs> I like um, this. We've used it in a number of states, and typically in those states, like Oregon, for example, um, you at least have someone making an effort to vet, uh, to purge voter rolls, right, to make sure, even though there's still going to be some you know, some variants, that these are ballots that are going to known individuals, not dead people, not people who have moved, not 50 ballots to some box where anyone can pick them up and harvest them, etc. They're not taking them to skilled nursing homes and having people assist these, these residents. And so when you do this nationwide and you have no ability, after the secrecy envelope is separated from that cast ballot, because there's no signature matching. You, the information that shows the provenance of that ballot is on the secrecy envelope. The minute that is separated, you could do a thousand recounts. You're yeah. just recounting the same potentially fraudulent ballots. So yeah. do we know that it tilted the election? No, we don't know. But I can tell you this, um, the only way to explain, in my view, you know, people will say, well, that's ridiculous. There's many ways to explain why Joe Biden got 81 million votes because everyone hated Trump. Well, I guess that's maybe a partial explanation, but you're telling me that Joe Biden was pulling 100% of precincts in places like Detroit and Philadelphia? No, I I'm sorry, pulling more voters than Barack Obama mm -hmm. in either of his two successful campaigns? I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not willing to accept that. And all of the people that keep saying that, you know, the only people that believe this are the tinfoil hat, MAGA mouth breathers, et cetera, there's too much information of what was going on on the ground. I'm not saying that we know. What I am saying is you'll never prove that in the space of two months. That's why the fraud is effective, because right. you have a limited time frame. They say all of these cases that were brought, right, Chad? Oh, yep. they sued yep. and they were dismissed. Well, Almost every single one of those cases was dismissed on procedural grounds, standing. No one, because you couldn't possibly do it, ever got to the bottom of what it would have taken two years in discovery and experts and depositions to figure out. So we don't know. So getting back to your point, you know, if Trump behaves a little bit better, if he doesn't say the stupid things that he typically says, um, does he win? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And I guess the question I have for you is, what am I supposed to assume about the motivations of people who, for instance, are attempting to pass federal legislation that invalidates and eliminates any checks, any no, hand, no, um, no signature matching? There's no allowance for provisional balloting. You're allowed to post-date ballots afterwards. You're allowed to vote until five days afterwards. You're not allowed to have people watching certain polls. I mean, all of this stuff, what are you supposed to assume other than these people want to minimize the security around our elections? Explain to me what the legitimate reason would be why anyone would support a law that eliminates all of those safeguards. So you bring up a lot of good questions, and I think what we have to focus on is take out the names of the participants. doesn't matter who the participant is. 
if you're looking at an open and free election, you're looking at a an honest news media, you're looking at an honest digestion of the facts, it doesn't matter which side you come down on, you would not allow this. We we get the shrieking from the high heavens every time the um, electoral map is readjusted for from a gerrymandering standpoint every 10 years. When, when the party who doesn't get what they want shrieks about how the other side is cheating, okay? Everything is done to to get a benefit from it. So if I look at making the election process easier, maybe that's probably not the right word, but make it easier for the individual out there to vote early, often, incorrectly, possibly multiple times, and even after the election day, even though we've set the election day and you, you knew when it was coming every year, you know when it's going to be. If you're doing that, then you must think there's an advantage to doing so. Now, isn't enough of an advantage to sway an election? I don't know, because it depends on how much is done. Your point of it take, it's in two months procedurally, there's no, way, there's no way to challenge this election on its merits after the, after the ballots are in and then remove from any identifying information about them. And in two months, there's no way you could do a full recount on any vast number of locations. So it's built into, there's no way to change the outcome short of a contested ballot, like contested in Florida in 2000. One other, data point, one other data point about that that isn't frequently mentioned, again, all of this sort of circumstantial evidence that um, you know, apparently the media rejects as if it's, you know, circumstantial evidence is somehow not valid. Circumstantial evidence is just as good as direct evidence. Um, it's certainly in a court of law, right? So one of the interesting things that never gets mentioned is the rate of rejected ballots, okay? And we have historical information mm -hmm. from not only midterm elections, but certainly presidential elections. And what happens is in any election, there are ballots that are rejected for a variety of reasons. They're, they're facially invalid. The person uh, perhaps is not voting. They don't live in the state. They're not voting in the correct precinct. Uh, you know, the name doesn't match up with the address, whatever. There's, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons. And this, historically, there's always been sort of a rate within a range. The rate of rejection, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you can look it up. The, the number of ballots that were rejected in this previous presidential election were almost infinitesimal, right? In other words, historically, there would have been hundreds of thousands of more ballots that would have been thrown out and yet somehow in this election, it was literally some number that's under, I, I can't remember, I'm not going to throw out a number because I don't know what it is, but when you compare the historical trends, it was as if nothing was rejected. And again, so you look at that statistically and you say, that shouldn't really be possible. In other words, that's an anomaly that needs to be investigated because we've never seen rejection rates that are that low, okay? Right. Um, and so anyone curious about this, right? Anyone sort of interested? I guarantee you the curiosity would have been much greater had Donald Trump won with, mm -hmm. again, just flip the circumstances. There have been all sorts of forensic analysts that would have been looking into how is it possible that Donald Trump in this election, they could they threw out almost no ballots, right? But nobody right. seems to care about that. So that's why I just have no... In fact, I was watching um, a snippet of... 
Jonah Goldberg, uh, who, who's kind of gone off the rails. Uh, he's yet another guy like David French, who I think has allowed his animus for Trump to completely cloud all of his judgment. But he was on some sort of panel. And one of the things they were talking about, of course, is the Hunter Biden laptop, which now the media, two years later, has decided to tell everyone, oh, hey, guess what? You know that laptop that we intentionally suppressed uh, took the New York Post's ability to even put it on Twitter away? You know about that laptop? Well, now it's real. Um, and what Jonah Goldberg said uh, on this panel when he was asked about, you know, the potential effect of this laptop on the election, he, he said, I find that to be a ridiculous counterfactual. In other words, that, that the suppression of this information could have swung the election. Now, here's the thing. He may be right. But, the, but the, the elephant standing in the middle of his room that he doesn't see is, Jonah, it shouldn't have been a counterfactual. Mm -hmm. It should have been a factual, meaning the public should have known, it should have been reported, and then we would know what effect a laptop with all manner of sordid and potentially criminal and potentially inculpatory information about the Biden family. In other words, he throws that out, not even realizing that what you've just said completely indicts the media in their complicitness in essentially helping Biden win this election. Why is it a counterfactual? We <laughs> should have known that information, and then Jonah Goldberg could say definitively, it either did or it didn't. But he doesn't even seem to care. The reason why it was a counterfactual is because that information was suppressed from the public. So <clears throat> I sense in, whether it's the voter, and I got some information here from Arizona, uh, from the Attorney General. During the 2020 general election, Maricopa County which is the largest county in Arizona, saw a significant increase in the number of early ballots received to almost 2 million early ballots, an increase of almost 725,000 more ballots. And yet they saw only an increase of 250 rejected ballots um, in so that, that, that That should be statistically impossible. It should be because if you increase by 723,000 early ballots and you only increase the rejection by 300, less than 300 votes, that can't be possible. That's not even remotely statistically significant. That would be the, the biggest anomaly you've ever seen. And yet nobody so again, cares. So anyone who is a, who's an investigator of fraud, mm -hmm. they see that data point and it immediately tells them this is not on the up and up. That data point alone, because, again, anyone who is inclined to take data seriously when they see, as you said, three-quarters of a million ballots based on historical rejection rates, and there's 250 that are – I mean, they're going to say there's a problem there. That is yeah. – there, there, is, there is an issue that is not just not normal – it should be mathematically impossible if an election is run in, in a way where we're not having massive fraud. No, but and, does anyone talk about this? No. Well, no. It, it, and, it, it, and here's the thing. Based on what you said earlier, we don't know if those votes were fraudulent or not because any identifying information that separates it from this was a repeat vote, this was somebody else, we don't have any of that information anymore. It's gone. So there's no way to go back and say with any definitive proof 
mathematically, it doesn't seem likely, but there's no way to definitively say this is what's happening. So I go back to my original point. If, if everything is on the up and up, then there should be no issue in limiting how ballots come in, making a shortened time frame, not giving people willy-nilly whenever they feel like it. And I think when you, you talked about Jonah Goldberg and the Hunter Biden laptop, I have two things about that. One is I don't think we have an intellectually curious media. And I don't care what side we're on. They have their partisan hacks out. But we don't have an intellectually curious media. They, they don't really want to know the answers. Sometimes they already know the answers, and they don't really want to report that because that would require them to maybe harm the side they really want. to. They got their finger on the scale. The Hunter Biden laptop is that in a nutshell. If it, when, I, when I heard, and I can't remember who the woman was uh, in Chicago last week, talking about she just didn't find that Hunter Biden laptop interesting. It's not that it didn't happen. Yeah, we know now it's true. It's really his. But I don't find it interesting. Now, I want to know if that had been Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop and had the same exact information on it, would you find that intellectually interesting? Would you want to know more about that? And of course they would have. All of us would have. I'm not saying in a vacuum things don't have value, but in the context of I'm electing, I'm voting for a candidate and I want to know everything about it. We heard we had four plus years of Russian disinformation spread by the Steele dossier. Any, by the way, Chad, any, um, any reckoning for that? Not yet. Any, any people so lose far. their jobs? Nope. Any, um, any indication from any nope. of these networks, New York Times, Washington nope. Post, CNN, of any uh, self-awareness about, nope. oh, yeah, we, we, we perpetuated uh, a flat-out hoax for three and a half, four years. And no, and you know why there's no reckoning and there's no apologies? Because they knew exactly what they were doing. Sure. And they don't care. It's the, it's the Harry Reid quote about Mitt Romney. Remember when Harry Reid lied about Mitt Romney's taxes and they were interviewing him uh, because it became clear that he had been lying? And remember what Harry Reid said? He I don't remember the win. exact phrase. He, didn't, didn't, he didn't win, did he? Yeah. That's all that mattered. At the end of the day, he didn't Trump win. Trump didn't win, did he? Nope. So That's all that mattered. Who cares? He ends just for the means. Period. And I think that's from a citizen of the United States. I'm looking at this and saying, we've got people with their finger on the scale. We've got a Supreme Court justice now who can't define what a woman is. She is a woman, but she can't define what is a woman. And that to me, and, not, and again, not because she can't define what a woman is, but because if she defines it, then she's held to it. And therefore, she's not going to define it because she wants it as broadly defined as possible so that she can rule outside extrajudiciously on things that make no sense to anybody but the intelligentsia and the liberal progressives. That to me, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm struggling to see how you can legitimately stand up and say, yes, I should be on this, the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, and I can't define what my kindergartners can define. What's a boy and what's a girl? Well, she can. No, exactly. Point. Of course, she can. But that wasn't this, rigorous. This is the this questioning. is the, uh, the Kabuki theater that we. Sure. This is the rabbit hole we're now you know we're we're free falling into, uh, because she knows that she's not allowed to say that right. She right. she's a woman of the left. She's actually farther left than uh, the wise Latina, and, and again that's her that's her self titled description. And, uh, you know, of course, it's also disgraceful to me, although it's fully expected that Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski, as expected, mm -hmm. voted for this woman, 
who yeah. on that answer alone, I mean, someone should have asked her, so how do you intend to rule if, um, I don't know, Title IX case comes before the court? Um, sex discrimination. You don't even know whether one of the parties is a woman. How could they even be discriminated against? I'm sure in that particular context, she'll be more than willing to decide that someone's a woman. But, but that sort of answer um, is so cartoonish on its face and so slavishly beholden to this, you know, essentially this identity politics that has overtaken essentially the entire Democratic Party um, that, that should have been immediately disqualifying. How any Republican could vote for that candidate after that answer, and by the way, that's not the only reason. No. Um, her, her jurisprudence historically demonstrates that she's, of course, just like Sotomayor and just like uh, Ginsburg, although Ginsburg is much, much smarter, uh, that there really is nothing to do with the Constitution. She's an ideologue in a robe, and she knows what policy positions she wants to prevail, and she will reverse engineer her opinions to effectuate that. I mean, that is that is now uh, what it means to be a Supreme Court justice who is nominated by a Democrat. That's what it means. Um, so, you know, am I surprised that she's on the court? No. Am I no. surprised that three Republicans were too feckless uh, no. to vote against her? No. But it's a it's a sad state of affairs. Well, and the irony is that in 2018, Mitt Romney did not vote for her to be on the D.C. Circuit. Court of Appeals. Yeah. I wonder, you know, you would think that one of these, well, the, the journalists don't care because they're happy with Mitt, but perhaps, I don't know, one of his constituents back in Utah should ask him, Senator, what um, what event, uh, what facts, what opinions uh, what changed? changed your mind that now a person who you didn't even believe was qualified to sit on a lower court you're now voting for to sit on the Supreme Court. And, of course, Mitt couldn't answer that if he no. tried because no. uh, he doesn't have any coherent explanation for that other than apparently um, he feels like it's going to get him more plaudits in the media. I don't really know what his motivation is. But, um, yeah, for a guy that I used to have a lot more respect for Romney, and uh, he's, he's another guy that just, um, you know, he's, he's not a conservative. No. Well, I think... When he was going up against Barack Obama in 2012, he seemed like the better choice than Barack Obama. Yeah, well, that's a low bar. Well, again, it is a if low bar. And by the way, it's it's a low bar if you're if you're a conservative. Sure. Um, certainly, yeah, a bet a far better choice. But you're right. I, that's my point. Is that I actually see it seemed to me that he was a much clearer thinker, uh, much more willing to be able to. Uh, I I think he's another guy, honestly. And there's so many people in this category who Trump has kind of broken their brain. And what I mean by that is, we've talked about this a lot. I don't have a problem with people who don't like Donald Trump. I don't have a problem with people who say, I don't think you should have voted for Donald Trump. But I do have a problem with people who are so uh, invested in their disdain, their, their visceral animus for Donald Trump, that it prevents them from actually thinking clearly about a whole host of other issues that supposedly a conservative, right, would mm -hmm. support. And so it, it sort of bleeds into these other areas where now they're not even capable of thinking clearly uh, in a principled fashion on a whole host of things because somehow Donald Trump has scrambled the circuits. I, I really don't understand it. I think Jonah Goldberg, he would yeah. deny it. He falls into that category. David French has gone completely off the reservation. I mean, all he does all day long now is attack uh, evangelicals mm -hmm. who are conservatives. 
Um, he's sort of a mirror image of our friend, yeah. right? It's like, and I'm thinking, okay, there's a there's space for that kind of critique, but this is all you do all day yeah. long, right? Are, are you know this is a guy that used to be the lead counsel for. I don't know if it was for fire, but he, he, the, it's, that's the organization that challenges all the uh, progressive uh, initiatives that are illegal in higher education. And this is a guy that is completely flipped on many of these issues, and I think most of it stems from Trump, which is very, very strange. Well, I, I question, from my mind, could a true conservative, not a neoconservative, not a... Uh, Anybody you might elect today, could could a, a true conservative actually get elected in this country? I know well, I know progressive. Well, we might run the experiment. If Ron DeSantis well, is the nominee, that guy is a true conservative. So I want to think he is. I want to think he is. I His actions thus far lead me to believe he is, but I've been burned before. I guess that's my concern. I've been burnt so many times, whether it's judges, whether it's senators, representatives presidential candidates like Mitt Romney, I've been burnt so many times, I don't trust what I hear. I don't, because yeah, I, it's a crafted I mean, message. That, I'm trying not to be, I understand why you feel that way. Let's put it this way. DeSantis has given me no reason to believe that he's not a conservative. And I will say this, you know, the people that, you want to make a list of people that we've sort of gotten burned. Mm -hmm. DeSantis, in my view, is is far more conservative than the guy that Mitt Romney ever was, okay? Sure. I mean, in other words, there's a, there's a gradation there. There's sort of a continuum. Um, DeSantis isn't just a run-of-a-mill kind of uh, Jeb Bush kind of conservative. He, right. He's very conservative. And, and he's, he's sort of principled and articulate and can explain why he's a conservative, in, in my view, a lot better than Donald Trump can. So yeah. I understand your reticence. Um, my view is I'm not going to just start assuming that DeSantis is a guy that's going to cave or that he's, he's putting on a facade. Everything that I've seen suggests to me that he's a principled conservative. And look, he's, he's been under a lot of intense media scrutiny and demonization because of his major role as the governor of Florida during COVID. I mean, they recognize that this guy's a threat. So he, it's not as if he hasn't been attacked, and right. yet he, he continues to punch back. I mean, just look at the latest thing with Disney, Yeah. right? I mean, he, every single issue where I would expect somebody who was going to waffle, right, if that's what you're, you're sort of in dread of, here comes mm -hmm. the waffling, he hasn't done it once yet. He hasn't blinked. Well, so it's not so much the waffling in advance. It's the waffling after the fact. Now, I never thought George H.W. Bush was a true conservative. He was a Northeastern blue blood uh, Republican, but not a conservative. And I thought his son was more conservative maybe than he was, or Dick Cheney was more conservative than he was. And I, I guess in hindsight, I feel like I got burnt repeatedly by, by that. Um, that, that's my concern that as we look back now, maybe conservatism was on a great uh, sliding scale. And suddenly, you know, what looked conservative in 2000 in 2022 does not look conservative because yeah, the world well, here's shifted. the thing. I don't, I don't think it, what you need to do is, is go back and actually consider the things that George Bush W Mm -hmm. actually said on, you know, pick your policy 
He's certainly not. He's certainly not a progressive, and I no. wouldn't even really describe him as a liberal. But he was never a guy, in my view, who articulated strong conservative principles across the board. And as you're alluding to, even though it's hilarious that he was, you know, maligned as Chimpy McKittler and he's a war criminal and he's this, because that's every Republican president, right? Sure. Um, he his domestic agenda was the was essentially uh, a center left guy. He's yeah. a liberal, right? Yeah. Expanded government, compassionate conservatism, all that stuff. Um, I I have heard enough from DeSantis on a variety of substantive issues. Let, take your pick: immigration, mm-hmm. economics, right? Because all this stuff has kind of been in play as he's in the governor of a significant state. They're dealing with all this. And he's been pretty straightforward where it's like, no, that guy's a conservative. Now, could he change? Hey, I suppose so. Um, Politician, sure but <laughs> I don't, here's, here's my, my problem. I'd be interested in what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems inevitable uh, that Trump is running again. And mm-hmm. if Trump runs again, which I don't want him to, um, DeSantis is not going to run. So basically, in my view, if Trump runs again in 2024, he is going to be the nominee. I don't want to disagree with you. Uh, I think you're right, but I, I really hope some cooler head prevails and it won't be Trump, obviously, but somebody gets him said the best way to advance the agenda is not with your ego. And I don't know if that's even possible uh, because I don't, I feel like every time we feed an ego of a candidate, whether it's John McCain or Mitt Romney or whomever we want to talk about, it's always well, you've served the party, blah, blah, blah. Here's your shot. Well, I'm tired of giving you a shot just because you were there. Getting a nomination for president shouldn't be a a booby prize because you were here long enough. That's not how it should be. Well, you're the best one today because other people didn't run because you're more popular and it would have cost more money. And we're just not going to do that. I want the best candidate. And I'm tired of having to settle for saying, okay, this person is better than the other person that they're running against, so therefore I'll vote for this person, even though I have to hold my nose, and it goes across the board. People hold their, held their nose for Trump. I held my nose for Romney because I couldn't stand Barack Obama. I held my nose for John McCain because I couldn't stand Barack Obama. But yet, I'm, I'm forced to settle. I don't think we've been given, I think there's too much similarity between the two candidates most of the time in, in policy, that it's really hard to pick and I'm concerned that in 2024. Well, do you still think that though? Because okay, so I actually have I have this argument a lot with okay. a couple friends of mine, uh, and they're they're conservatives, but they're all about the fact that Washington is what they call the uniparty, right? Everyone in Washington, according to them, Republican and Democrat, it's basically an indistinguishable giant blob of globalists, and they're all selling us out. It's all part of the oligarchy. Now look. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of truth, and you and I have talked about this, that there's mm-hmm. many, many Republicans uh, in government who are not conservatives at all. And there's many of them who are on the gravy train, just like the Democrats, who are mostly interested in feather bedding. They just simply want their cushy career to continue. Uh, and so that's absolutely true. But what I always tell them, and so what their their point is, their ultimate point is, and therefore we will never vote for a Republican. They can't stand the left, but they can't stand the Republicans either. And see, my view for? Nobody. 
okay. uh, or they're going to write in Chuck Norris or whatever. And, okay. and my, my point about that is, uh, to me, that is cutting off your nose to spite your face. And what I sure. mean is, when you have a binary choice uh, political process, at the end of the day, uh, I'm not averse to, let's say, trying to primary these people, right? You show me a candidate who's more conservative, who, who is more uh, in tune and consistently supporting the principles that I support, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you're going to come down to two candidates. And right now, as I said, take a look around at what has happened for the last year and a half as the Biden administration has had free reign to implement their insanity, right? Their and that's what it is. The Democratic Party now is in thrall to the hard left. And are you telling me, I always say this example, I said, look, I don't like Mitt Romney, but do you, would you rather be ruled by 50 Mitt Romneys or, I don't know, 50 uh, Maisie Hironos, <laughs> 50 AOCs, right? Mm, yeah. And so my point is, there is a difference. There is bad and there is much, much worse. And we're seeing now what much, much worse looks like and is going to continue to look like. And that's why I don't buy into For instance, you're going to tell me that Tom Cotton is uh, a one of these sort of, you know, spineless globalists is Dan Crenshaw. I mean, there is Ted Cruz. I, mean, I don't agree with those guys on everything, but come on. I mean, if I, I find it too cynical by half to suggest that every single one of these guys, you know, is essentially the handmaiden to China. They're selling out America. That's just not true. And if I have to go to the ballot box, um, there may be a lot of Republicans that I have to hold my nose over, but Chad, I'm to the point right now, given the place that the Democratic Party is, uh, mm -hmm. just example, did you read the articles about the, the bill that was passed in Colorado, uh, the, the new legislation on abortion? I vaguely remember reading it. I can't remember the Well, it's, it's now, again, this is a difficult bar to keep surpassing for the Democratic Party, uh, but it is, it is the most you know, radically... It's basically, you're teetering on the edge of infanticide. So yeah. in Colorado, their new law permits abortion for any reason, any reason, without restriction up to the point of crowning. And so I, you could just look at that single issue, you know, have mm -hmm. this fun conversation with our friend. And um, that single issue alone for many people would say, I mean, this, this is a place that, that the traditional Democratic Party has never been, right? Yeah. Um, but they have become so uh, consumed with, you know, the, the abortion lobby controls them. You look at, again, look at what Joe Biden has done in immigration. Uh, uh, yes, we're both xenophobes, apparently, because we're concerned that, <laughs> what's the total for this year, Chad? We're, we're into the, the millions, right, coming over the southern border, the southern border um, being bused to who knows where in this country, um, mm -hmm. unvetted, it, it's, it's insane. So I'm to the point where there's not a single person in any election at any level of government who has a D behind their name that I can vote for right now. Can't do it. Uh, so to your, your question, as I, as I see it, um, I would rather be governed by 50 Mitt Romneys than any Maisie Hiranos. Um, and I think that's where I'm struggling because gridlock is better 
than the alternative, which is what we see right now, which is unfettered access at, at all the levels of government. Uh, I, I guess it, there's a reason why the president has term limits, but the Congress does not. And the people who wrote the law for the president and got the amendment uh, didn't do the same for themselves. They miraculously never did that. And I truly believe term limits require different people to be in. It's hard to control somebody. And I think every person in Congress at, in political power is there to maintain their power. Now, you bring up Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Dan Crenshaw. I think for the most part, they're pretty upstanding gentlemen. But at the end of the day, they want to stay in power. So they might not vote the way I would hope they would vote based on what they've said because they want to stay in power. Well, but, okay, but let, me, let me push back on that, though, because sure. if you're somebody, of course, they all want to stay in power in a sense. I mean, someone who believes they're doing good, uh, who believes that their their vision for the country is best for the country, sure. I would hope they would want to stay in power. But here's the other point. Um, somebody like Ted Cruz, somebody like Tom Cotton, many of them are in states where it seems like you're implying that they're going to sort of water down or perhaps change their principles in order to ensure their reelection. But many of them, if they would do that in the states where they're being elected, they wouldn't stay in power, right? In other words, um, I don't see a whole bunch of need for Ted Cruz to compromise on his principles in order to convince Texans to vote for him. I understand the Texas in its urban centers has become much less red. But same thing with Tom Cotton, right? So I don't think you ever are going to eliminate the problem of incumbency and wanting to stay in power in politics. I think the real question is not so much, well, do they want to stay in power, but what do they hope to accomplish while they're in power? Do they intend to uh, basically make life better for themselves, enrich themselves, enrich their cronies, or are they actually there uh, as a selfless, uh, hopefully a representative of the people with a desire uh, to make the country better? And look, I don't, I don't believe that there are people, there are people in Congress right now who don't give a rip about making the country better. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about people who have a different philosophical or ideological perspective than I do. I'm talking about people who cynically all they really care about is enriching themselves on the backs of the taxpayers. And you could go down the list of the people that fit that bill. Um, so I, I guess so, I don't know. How, I don't know how we eliminate your, well, there's, so there's a risk of them wanting to stay in power. So here's my answer, my, my statement around this. Uh, and I'm just looking up Ted Cruz. I don't have Tom Cotton or anything else. We, we've just lived through economically a disastrous couple of years, okay? Now, I can't say people would have forethought and say this is what's going to happen. But my ex expectation, and however unrealistic this might be, is that those people we elect should be capable of looking beyond their noses at ramifications of things they decide and vote on. Meaning, did you read the bill? in its entirety. And if you didn't, you shouldn't be voting on it. Read the entire bill. And that's everybody. Well, but if of course, you can that's stand impossible up, now. 
Well, then, right? then you can't then you can't vote on it. Well, that I agree with that. I, I mean, agree with that. It, it, to me, it, it's short sighted to say, well, I didn't read it all, so I don't even know what's in it, and I know there's a lot of pork because that's what we do. The whole system right now is designed to make it impossible. No person uh, can read the bills that are coming out by themselves. Uh, what was the uh, whatever the Democrats called it that flamed out because Mansion and Cinema ruined their Go brand. Back uh, build back better. What was that? Five thousand pages. Yeah. Well, that's that's. So I'm going back to March 25th, two trillion dollar economic stimulus package in response to the coronavirus pandemic. That was just the start of the stimuluses that have led to the inflation we currently experience in the supply chain and 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 all the ramifications that that came with. He voted for that. Ted Cruz voted for that. Now, at the time, I guess what I'm saying is. What might be popular isn't always the right thing for the country. So if you're making a vote based on keeping yourself in power and what's popular, but it's the bad thing for me, like when, when you discipline your children, you do, the, you do what's best for your child, not giving them what they want because they want it. And maybe it's not a big thing, but there has to be rules. There has to be discipline. When we have a Congress and a government who gives us what we want, and we're too stupid to understand what we're asking for will harm us, they should say, no, we're not. And you may vote me out, but you, we can't give that to you because it will harm us long-term, period. We don't, Ted Cruz is just like everybody else. They're going to they're gonna fall to pressure from, from their constituents, but the constituents aren't necessarily right because they want it. You have to stand up and say, no, that is wrong. And here is why. Here's what will happen if we do this. And I'm just using the stimulus as an example. But it, it, it keeps going from there. It just keeps flooding. We just dumped money because people were out of work. Well, they were out of work because you shut the country down. Why did you shut the country down? Based on what evidence did you shut the country down other than Tony Fauci saying, hey, we should shut the country down. That, see, we made decisions and we're reaping the repercussions of those decisions without any accountability for the people who made the decisions whether it's Anthony Fauci, whether it's Congress for voting money, 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 money. That's my concern. We, now, again, I don't think it's realistic of, of me to expect these people to be smarter than they are because I don't think they are. Not Ted Cruz specifically, but Congress as a whole is made up of dullards and morons. It, I, I, sad to say that, but that's the truth. They are not the brightest and the best in, that we have to offer. They're the people who look pretty on TV maybe, or say the right words you want to no, hear. I don't or, know. I don't even know about that. Well, not all of them, you know, I'm not saying, and you know, Henry Waxman was no, no looker obviously, but th the problem is we end up with people who are self-serving and think again, I'm the best solution to the problem, but you're not, you're just a solution. And if you have term limits, you can't be the solution indefinitely. They can't get their hooks into you from whatever special interest group wants to get their hooks into you for 30 years, you have to find somebody else. So maybe, maybe an organization has to spend more money because they can't just rely on you for the next couple decades. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before. Um, I'm not, I'm not in favor of term limits because the influence peddlers, um, they're always going to exist and it doesn't matter whether you have sure. one term. The only way that you eliminate the money, if this is something that keeps you awake at night, right? I'm not talking about you in general. Right. Um, 
you know, get the money out of politics. Of course, they never mean it because, you know, the left has far more money flowing into the political realm through their unions and through their dark money. Uh, they don't care about that. They just don't want Republicans to do it. But the point is, the way that you eliminate the money and the influence is simple. You make the government far less powerful. The only reason this much money flows into government coffers is because people understand that the government has the ability to pay you back. The government has the ability to pick winners and losers. The government is the thing, the leviathan, that's going to get you what you want. You want to remove the money, you remove the power. And that means you got to carve out all of these alphabet soup agencies. The government should be gutted. Of course, is that ever going to happen? No, I don't think it's, uh, we're at the stage now where it's like a perpetual motion machine. Um, mm -hmm. Every new alphabet soup agency that gets created every 24 hours, well, that's just a new entity that needs only to fund itself. Its own existence is what's important. It's continued yep. existence and growth, like a metastasizing cancer. And so, does anyone ever ask the question? I mean, the only way that we're really going to, I always have a, you know, we need a president who's basically going to say, who's not going to care about its re-election, who's going to say, you know what, um, I'm going to go to Congress because we could, and I'm going to convince them that we're just getting rid of, let's say, the Department of Education, gone. And of course, there will be, you know, howls and rending of garments, and we're going to see what happens. If it, mm -hmm. And what the president say to the American people is, you know what, we have, um, we have debt now, that most of you people can't even understand how large the number is. $30 trillion. People don't even understand what that is, yep. right? I mean, Joe yep. Biden doesn't even know what a trillion dollars is anymore. Uh, and so the only way did. that we're going to remedy this from both sides is we just have to, um, I mean, we're, we're bleeding out. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to eliminate a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we're not going to eliminate the military, obviously, because you don't have a military, you don't have a country. But we are going to get rid of, for instance, the Department of Education, um, we're going to get rid of the, D, uh, the EPA. Oh, mm -hmm. no. What do you mm -hmm. mean that all the rapacious, evil Republicans will destroy the planet? Wait a minute. See, this is why we have 50 state governments who all have their own, amazingly, if you didn't know mm -hmm. this, their own environmental. They're not all called the Environmental Protection Agency. In Pennsylvania, it's DEP, whatever. So we're going to let all those local state governments, the way the founders designed it, they're going to run. And we're yeah. going to eliminate all of this, this bloat at the federal level. You give me an alphabet soup agency, it's gone, right? That'll yep. never, ever, ever happen. Nobody will have the political courage to do that. And even if they did, they need enough supporters to have the political courage to do it, and they won't. And so to your point, because um, there's too many people that rely upon that, uh, sure. you know, that's their... That's their retirement. We always talk about this. How does somebody, just use him as an example, there's many others, Harry Reid, some people who go into Congress, into you know, government work are already very, very wealthy. There's a lot of vastly wealthy people, Nancy Pelosi, all of them. Uh, Harry Reid was a moderately affluent guy, and yet somehow after 30 years in public service making, what does he make? 174 was the max he could have made a year. This guy has tens of millions of dollars. Uh -huh. um, Joe, and Jill, Joe and Jill Biden mm -hmm. um, some, were to believe that they um, made something in the range of $20 million uh, mm -hmm. between the time that he was vice president and then became president. That was supposedly because of books and speaking fees. Now, 
I think Joe Biden's book sold 16 copies and, and Jill's may have sold negative copies. But in other words, is any, this is yet another, you go back to the incuriosity of our media. Mm -hmm. um, I can guarantee you if those were the numbers of a Republican president, uh, which didn't seem to add up, there would be all manner of inquisitiveness about how in the world they accumulated $20 million. Oh, and that sort of ties into the Hunter laptop, doesn't it? Because yeah. there's all sorts of references to China and Ukraine and the big guy, and but nobody seems to care about that. So, so you're, you're all right, and I, I don't disagree. Reduce the size of the government. When Homeland Security was created, we didn't fold anything into it. We just created another agency. For what purpose? I don't know. I said it at the time. I said it in 2001. Why are we creating another agency to do the job of agencies that already exist to do that job? I do not understand. And it, it still makes no sense to me to this day why we have another agency to do the exact job that other groups are already doing. We're just competing for dollars. We're, we're spending it's, it's, money. It's more people money. that are going to get more money from other people. Yeah. So, so as long as you have the ability to, to, to redistribute other people's money, that's a fun job to have. Well, yeah, as long as it's not your money, right? The other part, you bring up the laptop, and I, I want to talk about this earlier. So I'm going to push back a little bit, and, and let, let's establish some parameters here. Hunter Biden is a buffoon. Do we agree that this guy is clueless and reckless with anything he's given? Yeah, I mean, he's look, he's a very damaged person in a lot of okay. ways. For whatever um, reason. I'm not going to get into why sure. he is or isn't damaged. <clears throat> so he's reckless with whatever is given to him. He leaves this laptop. Again, the media, other than the New York Post, was very incurious about vetting, even though they could have done it in a couple hours. Well, let me just stop yeah, real quickly to be clear, though. It wasn't just that they were incurious. They, they actively suppressed yeah. the information. See, there's a, there's a chasm yeah, of difference there including the 50 or so so-called intelligence yes. uh, experts who all claim that this was, you know, it has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Right. Well, no, actually, the only people running the disinformation campaign were our own intelligence experts. So, but anyway, I want to make that point because sure. the media is point. actually worse than just, we just don't, we're not going to look into this, right? We're going to plug it. our ears. No, no, we're going to actively prevent other people from finding out about it. Yes. So go ahead. So, so anyway, all these things are true. Um, Hunter Biden, drug abuser, kind of a dirtbag of a guy, brother, son. Um, everything that you would never want in a son, he exemplifies. And yet, he's not, he hasn't put in names, like the big guy. Now, we assume that's Joe Biden. And I think it's a fair assumption without some more digging He's so careless with everything else. Why doesn't he say Joe? My dad. Oh, yeah. I well, don't know. I mean, well, here's the thing. I'm not wedded to, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I, think, I think it's certainly a plausible assumption, but th this gets back to my point. No one seems to want to find out. No. And that's the, Do that's you the think, whole point. As you said, they would want to find out who it was if it was Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. We oh, know yeah, the bet, answer to that question. Yeah. So... We have no interest in finding out. And, and here's the other the thing that's laughable to me. I've been reading uh, a number of uh, these sort of 
the media, you know, they, they all must have like this meeting. Remember the journal list, right? They all come out with the same, literally, talking points. And so the talking point about the Hunter laptop, which they're now seeding the country with, and to get ahead of the story is, well, there's no indication uh, that Joe Biden had any direct knowledge or direct benefit. Okay, my, you know what my answer to that is? So what? Because that's never been the standard. Do you think the standard would have been if this was Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop, okay, and all of this sorted, even potentially illegal information, and the, the Burisma payments, and the China million-dollar payments to, to the big guy, and the only thing they would say is, well, you know, um, that's all very interesting, but there's no direct evidence that Donald Trump... That's not the standard. The standard <laughs> is what sort of potential blackmail, extortion, right? It has nothing to do, oh, well, unless you have a video of, of Joe Biden receiving an envelope uh, in <laughs> New York City from the Chinese ambassador. No, it doesn't work like that. There is no other reason why anyone would pay Hunter Biden, failed human being, millions of dollars, other than because he has access to power represented by his father. And everyone knows this, and everyone would, would properly say that is a major issue if it was anyone other than the naked emperor with dementia who we must protect at all costs. I think that's where my whole frustration in discussing tonight is I'm supposed to believe Brian Stelter when he says, you know, we reported at CNN, we report all the things you, sh you need to know. And it's Fox news. That's bad. And I'm, and he says, that's not the network I see every day. Well, Brian Stelter, are you watching your app? No, network? that's a perfect. So you, you saw that quote. I actually, that yeah. was an amazing. So, so for those of you for context, this was on this panel. Brian Stelter was one of these, you know, media members on this panel, and he got asked a question from a conservative student, I believe. Yep. And the Freshman. predicate to the question listed five or six objectively true things that CNN had done in terms of, you know, and that was, he said, you, you keep demonizing Fox News as fake news, but... Let me read it. I'll read it for you. Yeah, re read the, the things that the, they listed off. Okay, this is how the media platforms shape consumer realities, a panel, and Brian Stelter was on it, amongst other people. And he says, uh, the question was asked, you've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of disinformation, but CNN is right up there with them. They pushed the Russian collusion hoax. Okay, they stop there. Stop okay. there. Did, yes or no, did CNN for years push the Russian collusion hoax? Yes. That's not even debatable. Go. Nope. They pushed the Jesse Smollett hoax. Is that debatable? That is not. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist. Factual. In fact, Brian Stelter an anointed Michael Avenetti uh, mm -hmm. a presidential candidate by virtue <laughs> of the number of times he had appeared on CNN. Keep going. <laughs> they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. Correct. And yes, they dismissed Oh, and wait, let me stop you. Also yep. settled, yes. settled with <laughs> settled. Nick Sandman for an undisclosed, I'm sure, rather large amount. But go ahead. Uh, and yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. And he goes on to say, with mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than apologists and cheerleaders for the regime, 
Is it time to finally declare that the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? That was the question from a freshman at the University right. of Chicago. And so every factual thing that was the predicate for that question is indisputably true. And listen to what Brian Stelter says. Well, he'll hold on. He had the second question. He said, uh, all of the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? Now, Stelter responds, too bad couldn't answer the question because it's time for lunch. And he didn't want to go into a discussion about CNN's lies on camera telling Phillips, I'll come over and talk to you in more detail after this, which we have no idea if he did or not. And he goes on to say, uh, he didn't actually answer any of the questions. He talks about how the Fox News well, he talks about guy the in right Ukraine wing. got helped by CNN. He talks about the right wing, but he says then specifically yep, here that's it is. not the network. Describing a different, he said, suggesting the student was describing a different channel than the one I watch. And he dismissed <laughs> the facts of CNN's <laughs> bias as just a popular right wing narrative about CNN. Right. So, I mean, this is classic. And, and so this is the either combination of delusion or gaslighting where he's confronted with indisputable facts that he makes no attempt to challenge, nope. right? Because he can't challenge them. Because no. he knows that every single thing that he listed, CNN actually did. Mm -hmm. No attempt to actually say, you know what? Yeah, we, we got a bunch of those stories wrong. We should try to fix it. No, instead, it's the whole, who are you gonna believe, me or your lying eyes? I don't, I don't recognize that network. You must be suffering from some sort of right-wing hysteria. Um, again, he is a perfect representative of our media. They have no interest in introspection. They have either no self-awareness or most of them, see, most of them understand fully what it is that they're about. And they're not going to apologize. And it's kind of one of these, you know that we know that you know that we are shills for a particular party and worldview, and we're just going to keep lying to your face and saying, no, 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 we're not doing that. No. Well, and that's where I'm struggling right now because I'm, I'm looking at this happening and I'm being told as it's happening, it's not happening. You, you're, you're misunderstanding. You're too stupid to see what we're, we all know. And yet, for years, there's tape. It's like, it's like when Hillary Clinton called all of the Trump supporters a basket of deplorables, thinking nobody would ever hear that because there's too stupid to understand and it won't matter. That harmed her in the 2016 election. Brian Stelter and everyone at CNN who portrays these things just feels as though you you say anything you feel like it's fine we don't need we don't need corroboration we've got 51 intelligence officers telling us the hunter biden thing is disinformation now i think it's interesting that they all thought it was dis disinformation having not examined it at all having none of the actual information from the laptop they were quick to point out it was disinformation now right. doesn't that strike you as a little strange well and of course and the journalists who Went with uh, it. Used these people and ran with it. They never asked them, no. what's, the, what's the basis for that opinion that we're going to now spread as gospel truth? Well, we don't really have any. That's okay. We just need a soundbite. Yep. And here's the other thing. If you're an actual journalist, because guess what? They're imperfect like all of us. Sure. Sometimes you get stories wrong. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Apologize. When you're, when you're anonymous sources, which they love to use, when you get burned because that person has plainly lied to you and fabricated, do you continue 
to use these people for information? Do you continue to put James Clapper and Brennan on the, the analyst seat? Wouldn't you be calling them up and saying, you know what, we ran with a story where you told us this was Russian disinformation, it's flatly false, we're never using you again. But of course they're not gonna do that because they're in collusion with these people. They feed them the information they want and then they spread it around. It's pure propaganda, that's exactly what it is. And, and that's where I am struggling because 81 million people voted for this guy. 81 million people voted for this guy. Maybe. Well, I'm not even sure, well, maybe or maybe not. There's, there's a tally of 81 million people, whether they're legitimately 81 million people or you know, false 81. Somehow he's still in power. So at the end of the day, yeah. elections have consequences. Well, I would want to are. say this, too, is that I'm not interested in relitigating that. First no. of all, there's no Can't way there's no way to effectively. Now, I'm also not saying if there's ongoing lawsuits or investigations, absolutely. Sure, I mean, investigate ahead. it till the cows come home. Um, but. The, the, the larger point about this is I, I really think unless we figure out a way to get the media to a place where they're just way, the way they used to be, which is just generally biased to the left mm -hmm. and not active agents, as you said, of the regime who are engaged in manipulation, suppression of information, um, I don't know, like you said, what is one of the reasons that the public is so uninformed about any, because if you listen to CNN or watch CNN, you read the New York Times, you know, and of course this is what the left loves to say about conservatives, which is mm -hmm. you're all controlled by your Rush Limbaugh brain implant and Fox News, right? Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is, is that the people that are actually getting no information outside of their hermetically sealed bubble are almost everyone on the left. And our friend loves to traffic in this idea that he and other like-minded academics are these independent thinkers who are freed from the shackles of the conservative media, not even thinking like the frog in the boiling water that he's <laughs> in the pot with the rest of them with his NPR and his New York Times and his Atlantic Magazine and yet somehow has no awareness, none, that you're the one that's being fed through the narrowest possible straw, a stream of information that conforms to your ideological and philosophical and even religious worldview in terms of his progressive evangelicalism, and yet blissfully unaware of this, and yet every day banging his drum about the benighted members of his tribe, who if they could only break free of their fear and their nostalgia, in fact, I don't really read his site anymore, I don't um, but I did actually take a look and he posted something because he gets very agitated when anyone writes about uh, the progressive academics, such as himself, who, <laughs> who spend most of their time um, castigating other believers, mostly because of their support for Trump or you know, conservative causes. And he basically said, how do these people, how does this writer know what the motivations are? How dare he paint with this broad brush? And I'm thinking, are you that lacking in self-awareness? That's what you've been doing for the last five years. Mm -hmm. How do you, he knows, right? He knows what all of those poor 
anti-intellectual evangelicals are thinking. He knows why they support Trump, and it's because they just don't have enough information, and they're afraid, and they don't want to lose their white supremacy. And yet here he is, the minute someone challenges this, saying, how could he know this? How could he dare look into the or claim he knows the motivations of people like me? It's amazing the lack of self-awareness. It, it is, and I have not – I stopped looking at his site. I don't read any of his articles because I – all it was doing was causing me to be angry, and I was getting nothing out of it because I'm not going to change him, and he's not going to change it me. It doesn't make me angry. It, well, and sometimes it made me it angry. angry. It, what it, <laughs> it does, though, angry. is that it's, it's <laughs> emblematic. It's emblematic of this type of incredibly disingenuous argument where the people who are posing as the font of independent critical thinking are the ones that are most enthrall to the narrative, yeah. right? True, very true. Uh, we'll keep discussing this, but I'm just frustrated, and I, I, I'm sure others are as well, that I, I keep being fed lie after lie after lie and being told it's the truth simply because somebody at a microphone told me it was true. I guess. I mean, I'm at a microphone, so am I true? Just because I stand next to a microphone? I don't think so. I want to close on the fact that the Steelers are going to be taking fourth place in the in their division this year. Um, By the uh, way, you saw the uh, tragedy. Yeah, I saw Dwayne Haskins was killed this morning. Um, it sounds like a very bizarre situation. He was yeah. walking. He was on walking the highway. He, in yeah, Florida. I don't know if he was. I don't know what was going on. I'm sure and there's he more got to hit come out. By a dump truck. Yeah, at like 5.50 this morning or something. It was, it, there's more to come. Um, I don't know how much I mean, it doesn't change plans. anything other than it's still an incredible tragedy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, 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 I, he was down training with other receivers and quarterbacks with Steelers trying to get better. And that, it's always a tragedy when somebody dies young, um, especially when something, something like this is weird. Um, so Steelers signed Mitch Trubisky, which seemed like, eh, okay. Um, we're trying to replace Ben Roethlisberger and every other team in the division has a better quarterback than the Steelers by far. Uh, maybe Mitch Trubisky can be serviceable. Uh, there's not much in the draft to, to pick it up. I think the Steelers have, are going to drop off a cliff for a while. I think we're going to see the eighties version of the Steelers uh, here. I and think we, um, I think we know who Mitch Trubisky is by now. I think so too, and I don't care that he was in Buffalo for a year behind Jared Allen or not Jared, um, Josh Allen. Uh, I, I don't. I think if he was that good, they would have kept him. For, certainly has, on a one-year deal. Again, I think <laughs> the one the one chart that scared me, or what should scare you, if you're a Mitch Trubisky believer, I forget what game it was, but there was a chart which showed essentially that the Chicago Bears coaching staff mm -hmm. um, had had changed the playbook such that, and I forget which side of the field it is, but basically he can't, he couldn't throw uh, to, to the right side of the field. In mm -hmm. other words, like he had to throw the ball almost completely to the left side of the field. And he's a guy, he has talent. He has athletic and physical tools. I think he's a guy, and there's a lot of guys like this because the NFL is incredibly difficult, particularly to play quarterback. He can't process the information. He, he, he just can't process too the much information too fast. you need yeah. while you're on the field. Um, you know, he had some good games for the Bears. But look, mm -hmm. they brought in um, 
Phillies, who, who's the uh, Nick Foles, right? Yeah. He gets he gets beaten out by Nick Foles, mm-hmm. right? And Nick Foles uh, obviously won a Super Bowl. Sure. And he can be a talented quarterback in the right place. But Nick Foles, for most of his career as a starter, uh, not average. good. He's not average. Good. Yeah. I, I feel like um, there, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of trades. How do you, how do you feel about the Sean Watson trade? I don't, here's the thing. I really haven't been paying attention. Obviously, I know the main story. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an informed opinion about whether, you know, is Watson th- this serial uh, assaulter of women. I, I I literally don't know. I haven't followed it closely enough. Obviously, there's no charges. Uh, he's not going to be convicted on any of these charges. Well, there's no criminal charges. Um, right. There's still so civil cases. I wasn't even sure whether there, I thought there had been some criminal charges filed, but apparently no. not. Well, they, they again, this was odd to me. If you can indict a ham sandwich and there's 22 accusations and you couldn't get an indictment, I'm confused because I, yeah, I just don't know what to think about that. Um, this is also a guy that had never had uh, any, again, from what I've read in the media, which is, of course is not necessarily complete information, sure. but sure. when he was at Clemson, really no hint of this kind of thing. In fact, seemingly yeah. a guy, a very high character. So it's almost like, I don't know whether we're dealing with a situation where this guy has been kind of unfairly targeted or we're dealing with a Marvin Harrison situation. Remember? Yeah. Right? Who Marvin Harrison, soft-spoken, record-breaking receiver for the Colts, and it turns out he's kind of a shot caller in Philly. Yeah. Um, you know, was was involved in an ugly incident where a guy got murdered, and sounds like he's sort of this hard case. Like, it's kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I don't know whether that's Deshaun Watson or not. Certainly I- on the football field, massive, massive upgrade. Well, it... And- and, and I guess I'm looking at Cleveland, and I feel like this is a very Cleveland thing to do, which is we're going to trade a number of draft picks and give a massive guaranteed contract to a guy who may have settled his criminal Well, they complaints. don't even know whether the NFL is going to let him play. That's my point. There's 22 complaints still outstanding from a civil court. The, the, the NFL, I mean, he didn't play last year. Didn't play a single down last year. Didn't he may not play this year, and which is odd because they didn't suspend him last year. They just didn't pay or they didn't play him. Why would the NFL have waited a year to no? It's that's a that's a bizarre situation. It's odd. But I suspect that there, there's going to be some sort of suspension, whether it's a year or not. You just spent, I think it's $253 million of guaranteed money on a guy who may not play at all this year, and then you alienate Baker Mayfield, rightly so or wrongly so, what what are you thinking exactly? Was it just too well, good to pass up? Yeah, of course. That's exactly what it is because I think what they're thinking is Baker is not getting us there. No. And if we get to Sean Watson with all of the cloud hanging over him, and you know what? Maybe he doesn't even play for us for a year. Yeah. But when healthy, uh, people forget when healthy, Deshaun Watson, one of the best five quarterbacks in the league. Maybe. I mean, I, we haven't seen him play in two years. Yeah. Is he still? I Well, I mean, I you'd know. like to think he's a young enough guy. Uh, th- this is in a situation where the guy's 30, right? No, it's, I'm not talking about physically, but mentally. There's got to be there's got to be something hanging over you with, with criminal Maybe. charges 
dropped, but civil courts. I think you're you hit the nail on the head. It's worth the risk. Quarterback huh? is that important in the NFL? If you can roll the dice and get a top five quarterback, then you're going to do it. Well, you know, Cincinnati's got Joe Burrow. Baltimore's got Lamar, uh, Alexander. I, I'm just not. I'm not sure what this division looks like. <clears throat> and I, I feel the Browns have to prove to me that they're not still the Browns. Okay. At, well, at the end of the day, I don't care what you spend. I don't care who you bring in. you got to prove to me that you're not the Browns. And maybe they will be better with Deshaun Watson if he sets foot on the field at some point in the future, whenever that is. I don't think if you have Baker Mayfield and you, he's your stopgap for the year while you expect Deshaun Watson to be suspended, I don't know if that's going to work out so well for you either. Um, we know what Baker Mayfield is, and is he going to be motivated to help you win if he knows he's gone at the end of the season? Maybe he's auditioning for somebody else, and maybe it's okay. I think we've seen I don't know. with Baker, he, he's also – now, again, he was playing, I think, uh, a large part of the season, injured his shoulder. Sure. Uh, but even when As healthy, every player in the NFL is every look, I think I think Baker is he's, – he's, he's probably a starting quarterback in the league, but you kind of see what you're getting with him, which is – um, you know, nine and nine and seven, nine and eight, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, that's they're not winning a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. No. They could win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. It's possible. And and Joe Burrow shows that, you know, with the right bounces, maybe you can make it to the Super Bowl with a decent team. Um I I, I feel like there's a lot of things happened this offseason. Uh Aaron Rodgers sticks around in Green Bay after bad mouthing Green Bay for two years. Yeah, and then he loses his best receiver. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand. I mean, if they were so awful, was it because they just didn't give you enough money, and now they're wonderful because they gave you money? I, what changed exactly yeah. other than the money? He, what changed? He's a, he's a guy that's very difficult to read. I actually admire yeah. him um, more than I used to, just because he's a guy that is willing to say, "I'm not going to go along with mm-hmm. the mob. I'm just not." Fine. So you know he. A lot of people don't like him now because he dared, he dared to question the COVID cult, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, his whole stance on vaccine, that's just not permitted. <laughs> you know, he, I mean, do you hear the, the, the one, uh, the one guy that votes for MVP, one of these sports writers, and I guarantee you, he's not the only one. He's just the one that was, well, I don't know okay. whether it's dumb enough, where he basically said, um, I'm not going to vote for Rogers as MVP because, uh, yeah, he had the best season, but he didn't get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that has makes anything it, to do I mean, with exactly, But it does for these guys. It does. I mean, well, the, the sports media is crazy. even more monolithically left wing than the regular media. And that's saying something. Well, I heard Tony Kornheiser all season, all NBA season, just blasting Kyrie Irving because he wasn't getting vaccinated. Yeah. And he's a bad teammate. Well, you're putting a, a medicine or you're putting a foreign substance into your body. Shouldn't you get to make that decision? Nope. And, and the fact that Kyrie could sit in the stands without a mask and not being vaccinated, but he couldn't be on the floor. Yeah. What well, doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't know what the rationale is. No, and the other, other players, the other players could come in from other cities and other yeah. states, but they the didn't matter, but of course, yeah, we've talked about this. The, the whole thing is just, um, that, that's just total insanity. And yet nobody seems to have the ability when we talk about, huh, anyone willing to look back and no. say we were wrong? No, 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 no willingness no, at all. Memory hole, all of that. Yeah. So I, 
I don't think it, I don't think the, the Raiders suddenly become something amazing. Derek Carr is exactly who we think he is. Even if he's got a great receiver now, he's still Derek Carr. Well, which I think is actually a pretty good it's an improvement. Yeah. I, I actually like Derek Carr. I mean, so, but again, now he's in a division with Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Herbert, and Mahomes. Yeah. That's a pretty scary. Yeah. And you bring up Russell Wilson. I don't know that. I mean, I think the Broncos were at least a quarterback away from being good, but I don't know that the quarterback makes them Super Bowl. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of people that you hear they're saying Russell Wilson is no longer at his peak, um, and maybe he's not. But I think they're going to be pretty good with him, and I'm not sure how much of the supposed struggles of Russell Wilson, not even struggles because he was still a very good quarterback, but the drop-off in level, um, mm-hmm. you know, he had a terrible line in Seattle. And I, what I do think is he's not the, the scrambler – uh, that he was early in his career. He's not, he, you know, his athletic ability has ebbed a little bit, but yeah. I still think he's a very good quarterback. Um, sure. And I, I agree. I, they have, I mean, that's a murderer's row of quarterbacks there. Oh, yeah. That's going to be an interesting division. Well, I, th- I think, I think they're much improved by adding Russell Wilson. I just don't know if he was the only piece they were missing. No, I agree. Oh, I'm not saying the Broncos are going to go to the Super Bowl. But they might, makes, but I don't know. That, that makes that guaranteed. division a, a bloodbath. Well, it does. It makes that division very good. I think the the AFC North becomes a decent division. Be, now, Steelers notwithstanding, because of some of the changes there, that is certainly a possibility. Um, Tom Brady unretiring. Thoughts? Was it? Well, it doesn't doesn't really surprise me. Um, was it the coach or was it? Uh, I, don't, I don't think it was anything other than he realized. Wait a minute. Um, I threw for what, like 4,800 yards and 40 touchdowns, and I still have a team, well, now it remains to be seen who's, you know, what team he's got underneath him, because there's going to be some personnel changes just in terms of injuries and whatnot, but I I really think it's a guy who's like, why am I leaving right now? I don't, you know, and I will never begrudge one of these guys. Uh, You know, you read these articles and these people like, oh, you know, make up your, listen, People will never know the kind of, um, when you've got 100,000 people in a stadium, 80,000 people screaming your name, and you are one of the, what, 300, I guess the NFL is more like, you know, what, 800 people in the world that are playing, and yet you're, and you're at the level where you're literally in the pantheon of this elite group of people Trying to give that up is like giving up heroin, I would think. And, would, and you've heard well, it from guys like that. I yeah. mean, Jordan, another guy, like in that, in that echelon of achievement, these guys, Tom Brady, you can't turn that off. It's almost like, I mean, I know it's not the same, but yeah. you ever see the movie The Hurt Locker? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this idea that these guys, that they can't replicate what they experience uh, in daily life for them because they need that jolt, that constant needle of adrenaline into their heart that they only get every Sunday or for Jordan every time he's on a basketball court. And I think it's really, really hard for those guys to transition to other stuff because I think some of them, Jordan definitely, uh, they're, (laughs) they're unhealthy in the sense that it makes... Jordan's the greatest player ever. 
One of the reasons he is because he's pathologically competitive to the point where it makes him an unhealthy person. So that's not so good necessarily for daily existence. It's really good for being the best player ever in your sport. Sure. Um, and I think Brady is close to that kind of level in terms of a competitor. I think he just said, you know what? I could do this again. Let's run it back. Yeah. Well, that may be very, that all may be true. Um, I don't know what changed. Maybe it was just the loss and he waited two weeks after they lost. And I don't know, maybe he just wasn't feeling it at home. I don't know. Um, at some point it's going to end whether he wants it to or not. Uh, his body will not be able to continue. We just don't know when that is. Um, and maybe this is the year because maybe his body was telling him something his mind didn't want to accept. Well, I will say this right now, statistically, there's no reason there's no reason for him not to play. He's still one no. of the best five quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Well, you saw Brett Favre the year before he finally retired. He looked awesome with the Vikings, and then the next year he did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now I also so. think that, um, and I'm not saying that Brett Favre didn't you know take care of himself, but no, it's not Brady, the same way Brady's a different dude, right? I mean, sure, Brady sure. has his whole TB12, and mm -hmm. I mean he is a year round dedicated if there's any person that's going to play till they're 50 and i think brady has toyed with that idea he's even i think openly said that yeah it's going to be him i don't think he's going to stay that long um i still think that they're going to have a good year but i think after this year they're not going to win the super bowl and then i think he's going to be done see I, i'm reading rumors that he didn't want to come back to tampa bay that's why he retired hoping they could transfer him to miami or san francisco and that didn't happen so he came back so he can play yeah, out his year and I don't know. We'll have to get Adam Schefter to tell us what, what's what. <laughs> sure, sure. Adam knows knows all. Um, <clears throat> that's all I've got tonight. Is there anything you wanted to share? No, I will. Um, I will have a uh, a rant next time. Okay. Um, about my now most hated company, uh, which has a good product, by the way, uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. <laughs> so we, we will have a discussion okay. about that. Should be interesting. Kafka esque. Uh, ordeal in attempting to cancel ah. Sirius Satellite Radio. It's like okay, the Hotel well, California. You can't ever leave, Chad. You can check in, but you can never leave. Yes, yes that's true. Well, I, I look forward to your rant about that. I haven't had... I had XM before they were Sirius XM long, long time ago, so I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. That would be yes. interesting. All right. Thank you for joining us, folks. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.